0: Amen, I echo our brother earlier saying thank you, uh, we have truly enjoyed the time, and from the moment I walked in, I felt at home, and uh, maybe two at home, I probably got myself in trouble some uh, with my joking around and things, but I have enjoyed it, either way, if I've ruined everything, I've had fun doing it, so it's been good, and it's been a great blessing. It is tough to get up and preach after that great meal, I did eat too much, that last flan probably should have been left uh, back over there over there. Uh, but uh, I'm blessed. If I go like this, sound men, I'm probably okay. But if I, my eyes get big, hit the mute button quick, all right? So it's going to get real bad. But 2 Corinthians 9, if you would. 2 Corinthians 9. I have a few subjects that I especially like to preach as a preacher. I love preaching as a pastor. And they carry on. The first would be the gospel. And it's not just because it's commanded, but because it is the power of God unto salvation. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to get to preach. And you never get tired of preaching the gospel. But one of the other things I love preaching on is the subject of stewardship. matter of fact, if you would talk to the people of Smoky Valley Baptist Church and you would ask them about a theme besides the gospel I preached on often, it was stewardship. And it was not because I was trying to get more out of the people of Smoky Valley Baptist Church. As a matter of fact, the Lord always took very good care of our church and always took very good care of us. And it was not about getting money out of people. But I know what happened in my life when I moved from struggling in my giving to being able to give faithfully and cheerfully what happened in my own life and the blessings that began to pour upon my own home and my own life and what God did. And I can just say it emphatically that God has blessed and multiplied in our lives far beyond than had we never started doing uh, the faithful giving that we have done over the years now. And so uh, I want to say, first of all, this is not about getting your money. By the way, God's not about getting your money. But the Bible's explicitly clear that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so it is an examination of our own hearts to examine our giving and see where our passion really lies. As a matter of fact, I said this oftentimes every time the offering plate is passed or every time a chance for an offering is given, as sometimes we can't pass plates now, uh, but however you do it, whenever that opportunity arises, you are literally casting a ballot each and every time. You're casting a ballot of whether or not you want the lights to stay on in the church house. You're casting a ballot of whether or not you want to count the man of God worthy of double honor. You are casting a ballot of whether or not you want to be able to print gospel tracts to get the gospel to a lost and dying world about you. When missions offering comes, you're casting a ballot of whether or not you want to see the gospel go to a lost and dying world, whether you want the gospel to get out there. You're casting a ballot in that moment. Because many people find no problem with raising a hand and saying, yay, and a vote to take on a missionary or to spend uh, money. But many more people do not vote by taking part in the offerings and thereby sending that forth and seeing that take place. We have a wonderful opportunity, but God has given us responsibilities in this. And part of that is our stewardship. And so I do want to reiterate, preacher has not told me to preach on stewardship. So if you want to be angry, you're going to have to be angry with God tonight because I truly believe this is what God has for us. And uh, you can be angry with me if you want as well, but your preacher is not told to do that. I do want to encourage you again, your stewardship cards, this is such an important thing. And the most important business meeting this church has any year is this meeting right here. This, this business meeting is a missions conference. I know we call it a missions conference, but this is the most important business meeting of the year for the local church. And I believe God's blessings rest upon a church in what we do with these meetings when he's revealed to us our responsibility and our opportunity then we must respond to that and do what's needed so i want to encourage you you got to be praying and asking god what to do with this and listen faith promise or, or there's me there's a few different titles for it but what the goal is is to pray before god and say god what would you have me to give and we'll talk about that here in just a minute let's go ahead and look at second corinthians chapter number nine And we're going to go towards the end of the chapter first, and we'll go back through the chapter very quickly. Uh, But verse number 11 begins, Being enriched in everything, to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God, for the administration of this service, talking about an offering, by the way, which had been committed a year previously for the Church of Jerusalem, for the administration of this service not only supplyeth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. And here's going to be our takeoff and our thrust for the chapter. It says, "Whilst by the experiment. Wiles by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And I'd like to preach this evening on the experiment Of giving to missions, let's pray, dear Lord. We do thank you for the wonderful evening you've given us. Oh Lord, I'm so thankful to get to preach your precious word tonight. I'm thankful that you've given us a pattern of giving, and Lord, as we look at the three major types of giving tonight in introduction, I pray that you'd make them very clear to hearts. Probably somebody in here who's struggling to differentiate between these and how to do them, and Lord, as we very quickly go through that, I pray that it helps somebody and help uh, clear that up for them. and then, Lord, there's probably somebody in here who's dealing with uh, getting faithful in the tithe. And, Lord, as we deal with that, I pray that you'd help them to realize that uh, nobody is trying to remove from them anything. But that, Lord, your blessings uh, do rely upon us being faithful in the things you've committed to us. We are to be faithful stewards. It is required that a steward be found faithful. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us in that as we talk about these things in the offering Lord, help us to move on and be able to uh, commit and to see what you would do, that in this day of grace, this church age, Lord, I pray that we would realize we have a greater responsibility under grace than we ever had under the law. And it's not a responsibility of, of just requirement, but it is a responsibility of answering a great grace, the great gifts that we've been given, and that, Lord, we'd respond to it gracefully. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll get to the offering in just a second, but there are three major areas of giving, and I want to give them brief mention just so we have them separated well. The first one we often hear talked about, preached about, is the tithe. It's probably the most often preached about because it is the basis of our giving. It it really gives us a a way to begin to measure how we are giving. And, And the tithe is very simple. As a matter of fact, here is what the tithe is, and, and I think hopefully this will help illustrate this. If I came up to my brother here and I said, "Brother, every now and then I'm going to give you a hundred dollars, and what I require, every time I give you a hundred dollars, I require you to give me 10 of it back. And then I, I'm going to give you another hundred and you give me a 10 back." This seems like a decent deal. It seems like an okay deal, doesn't it? I mean, if I come up to you on the street and I said, I tell you what, I'm just every now and then, I'm going to hand you uh, 10, $10 bills and what I want you to do is I want you to hand $10 of that back to me and we'll repeat that time after time after time. I hope once you realize there's no strings attached to that, you would say, well, I'd be a fool not to take that deal. That's what the tithe is. It's really that simple. It is when God sees fit to bless me I move a decimal back one place, and I just go ahead and offer that back to him willfully. That's all it is. You say, well, we are now under grace and under the law. Well, I mentioned in my prayer, uh, grace demands an answer, too. Grace demands, there's a responsibility that comes with grace, and it's not always an explicit commandment, though those are there as well. Uh, Sometimes it is that we answer back to God and say, God, you've given us so much, I'm going to entrust that back to you. And if we're honest about it tonight, we are very blessed in this country, aren't we? Most of us decided tonight which vehicle to drive. Some of us were smart and drove both of them so we didn't fight on the way to church. But we have that option today. And I know we have troubles. I know there's times when bills are hard to pay. But we are still blessed. The poorest of our nation fares better than the richest in some other places. We're very, very blessed today and we ought to be very, very thankful for that. I want to encourage you, if you've not gotten any other basis of giving done, go with the one that was given before the law, commanded in the law, commended after the law, and and that we can just see and use as a basis to do that. You say, Brother Matthews, you think I should be giving 10%? Nope. Nope, I think we ought to move way beyond it, I'll be honest with you. And we moved beyond it way year, years ago, and the Lord bless that. The other type of offering uh, the, is really the third type that is usually preached about, and honestly, it's not preached about very often. And it's not mentioned a whole lot in the word of God. Jesus, though, himself mentions it in the book of Matthew, and it is almsgiving. And that is simply, I am so, I'm helping somebody who is in dire need, who requires my help. I have the ability to meet that need, and I meet that need. So that's I'm going into McDonald's, and somebody's outside and says, Hey, buddy, I'm hungry. Is there any way I could get some money from you? And I say, you know, I tell you what, though, you tell me what you want, and I'll order you anything you want off that menu. Amen? We have to be careful in this day. I'm not telling you how to give. You trust the Lord to guide you in that. But I go in and I buy him a meal and I supply that for him. That's almsgiving. By the way, that's the offering. That's the offering that God says don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That wasn't for the tithe. That wasn't for the other offerings. That's for almsgiving. In other words, when I buy the cheeseburger I don't come to church and say, guess what I did, preacher? I bought somebody of value i 'm not trying to just be silly, but we kind of do that, don 't we? We like to take bowels for these things that we do, and God says you 've already gotten your reward, that the almsgiving is to be a very secretive thing. That is the one that we 're to be very quiet about, and that 's just to be between us and the individual and God. and God says he 's going to reward us, he 's going to take care of that, but we honor him in that way. And then the second one is the offering, and there's different types of offering there's free will offerings. And uh, I'm probably going to get in a little bit of trouble with this from somebody, but sometimes a free will offering just makes sense. In other words, there's a need. The church has a need, and I can meet the need, and it just makes sense to meet the need. You say, Brother Matthew, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say sometimes we over-spiritualize things to such a point that we do nothing. Sometimes it just makes sense, and it's obvious God would have us take care of this. Amen? Amen. There's nothing wrong with that and there's there's those things I believe God honors and blesses that And, and I just learned if I have an impulse to give, I just give it right off. Let's just get it taken care of. And I can tell you I've never been sorry for that. Uh, This week alone, my wife and I uh, knew of a situation, a preacher who were dear friends of ours. uh, His wife and kids were in a very serious accident. By the grace of God, the kids were saved. The car was on fire. Her legs were broken. Uh, She crawled out of the car and could not get back to the three small children in the burning car. And a truck driver pulled over and pulled the kids, the preacher's kids, out of the car, burning his own arms to rescue them. So we felt led of the Lord to give. So I know what to do then. As I said, as soon as I have the impulse, I give. You say, why do you do that? Because I'm just trusting the Lord. And I pray and say, okay, God, just if this is wrong, remove it. Uh, And I give that. And guess what? Within 10 minutes, somebody had given us a check for the exact same amount that we had just given to them. Isn't that just like Lord? And he doesn't always do it that way, but we have seen him supply time after time. So that's in the almsgiving reign, but in the offering, that that, that free will, we just determine, hey, that's something we can do. And then there is this faith promise offering. And this is simply where we pray and ask God, God, what would you have me to give over the coming year? Now, the tithe column is a simple one. I simply take my income, move a decimal back and put that in there. And if you have a fluctuating income, you might be putting the low end of that and you may be giving above that throughout the year. I can tell you that we always strive to give more than what's actually on our cards. Our church does stewardship cards and things as well through the year and and we always strive and, and always have. The Lord's always allowed us to do that. But in the faith promise offering, you are praying and asking God, God, what would you want to give through me? the cause of missions what would you want to give through me for the cause of missions and the lord will absolutely impact you with what you ought to give it's not a budgetary decision we don't sit down with our checkbook and go well i can afford ten dollars a week first of all i just tried to pray to the lord in the last several years god would you let me do more this year Would you let me go? Would you let me give? Would you let me do this? Would you expand uh, us in this area and allow us to do that? And then God, what is it you would have us to give? What would you have us do for the cause of Worldwide Missions? And I want to say this very clearly, not in a braggadocious way, just so you know that I'm not just preaching to you. We still do faith promise as a family. Matter of fact, our daughters do faith promise as individuals. And we do that, just seeing what the Lord might do. And for many years, we were able to give above our tide to faith-promised missions. And I can tell you, God met every single one of our needs. And it's not because we made so much more than anybody else, but God supplies for us in ways that are just beyond our imaginations. And so, I want to encourage you in those three areas. So, let's go and get back to the scriptures. Remember the wording of verse thirteen. It said, "Wiles." By the experiment of this ministration, talking about the offering is this ministration. He says, whilst by the experiment. First of all, we've got to understand what an experiment is. An experiment simply means, try it and see if it works. Now that is a carryover of the principle given into us in the book of Malachi, where it says, try me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven directly speaking about the tithes and the offering. Ye have robbed me, you say, where have we robbed thee? And he says, in tithes and in offerings. And so he gives that explanation. He says, try me and see. He says, do this experiment. Now, that's a fascinating thing in the Word of God because a lot of times in the Word of God, you just have an express commandment or a principle and you're expected to accept that and to live it out. And by the way, God has every right to do that. He just simply says, here's my commandment, do it. Here's the principles I've given you to live by, live within these principles. But in this thing, he has said, what I want you to go ahead and do is try it out and see if it works. You know, Brother Matthews, what should I do? Well, just do what the Word of God tells you to do. Try it out, see if it works. Amen? This is God who said it. He's the one who said, this is an experiment. And Malachi says, try me. He Just give it a go and go after it and see what I'll do. And that doesn't mean you do it one Sunday and see what happens because this experiment may have different results in your life for a time. I can tell you stories of men who have committed to this and went to work and gotten large raises the very next day. I can also tell you of a man that I pastored who made his first faith promise commitment and went to work Monday and got laid off from his job. You go, well, how'd that work out? Oh, he never missed it that year. It was amazing. He ended up getting a scholarship to go to college and up his skills. They paid him wages throughout all of it. He was able to give and go forward and do that. And all that from doing his faith promise, God had him laid off the next day and then took care of him the whole year. It's an experiment. I don't know exactly what it'll end up looking like for you, but I'll guarantee you this. If you do it in God's will, he is going to bless this and this experiment will turn out well for you. And you'll be like me, you'll not want to go back to the other. So let's look at the results of this very quickly. Verse number one, I'm going to teach you a little bit about preachers, and probably not your preacher, but most preachers. Uh, verse number one says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. That word superfluous simply means it would be over the top or extreme that I'd spend time writing to you about this. And then he writes a whole chapter you of your getting it have you ever heard a preacher say i know i'm preaching to the choir and i know you don't need this and 30 minutes later he's still waxing elephants i mean waxing eloquent right that's it's superfluous right it would be over the top that we do hey we got it from paul He taught us this. So we we got it from him. You can blame it on Paul. It's not your preacher's fault. Okay, We're just following the supreme example beyond Jesus Christ in the New Testament for church doctrine and church polity, and that is Paul. And so uh, there you have it. That's where it comes from. But Verse 2, he says, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready." Thus happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness very interesting here he tells the church of corinth in chapter 9 that i have been boasting about your willingness to give to the churches of macedonia now there's a lot of supposition about whether this is a correction i don't personally believe that the book of second corinthians is taking the corinthian church onto a higher level first corinthians was to correct a lot of things and get things set straight second corinthians was hey now we can move on from here but either way he is commending them he's saying listen I have boasted to the churches of Macedonia about your faith. In other words, they have been encouraged to give because of your commitment to give. I'm about to teach you something else about a preacher. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, the chapter just before, I'm going to grab my water here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he uh, commends the church of Corinth again, but he says to them this, I want you to consider the churches of Macedonia. That in their deep poverty, uh, they were abounding. Out of of that, they were giving beyond themselves. They were willing to do that. You need to give because they're giving. You get to chapter 9, he says you need to give because I've been telling them you're giving. You see what he's doing there? There's a little bit of circular uh, guilt tripping going on there. (coughs) He says, hey, you need to do it because they're doing it. And then he says, hey, you need to do it because I'm telling them you're doing it. Amen. I know it's supposed to be conviction, but uh, it's absolutely good for us to realize and be encouraged by what other people do. Hey it's easy to get excited about something. It's not always easy to take part in it. It's easy to get excited that somebody else is going to a mission field that's exciting to us. And by the way, it's okay for one field to be more exciting to you than another. God knits our hearts with people and with uh, with uh, people groups and, and with countries and there's certain things that impact us in different ways but when we get that burden and that desire and that zeal that's wonderful but what are we going to do about it as this passage said we need to prove the sincerity of our love what are we going to do move forward and the first result of this experiment is that we are encouraged to give and we encourage others to give your pastor asked a very personal question last night he asked two missionaries What they need to raise per month to go to the mission field. You say, what do you think about that, Brother Matthews? I thank God he did it. And let me tell you why. How else will we ever know what it takes to get to the mission field? I think those are feasible questions. I think there's even good questions like, why do you need that? There's nothing wrong with those things if you're willing to hear the answer. And your pastor understands those things. And that's why he brought it out in those things so that we could learn and know more about it and we're encouraged to be able to take part in things but we encourage one another because if you think about those amounts no one church can send the missionaries and accomplish the work that needs to be done it's going to take the churches of macedonia and the church of corinth and other churches knitting together and working together to get missionary sent so that the gospel can go forward And so it encourages encourages each other in this. This wasn't as much about guilt, and I joke about that, as it was encouraging them, saying, hey, we're in this together. Let's get the job done. And your preacher is right. We could do some things better in the way that we do things. Now, I love the way we do missions as far as deputation. I personally believe deputation is a ministry, and I also believe deputation is an education, and I needed that education, and it's been valuable to me. But we still could do some things better if we are serious about this matter of giving and sending. So the first result is others are encouraged to do it. By the way, it's not right that one should bear all the weight and somebody else not do it. We ought to each be willing to take up our part of getting the great commission out to a lost and dying world. Let's go and look at the second one, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, as according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply, multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. So remember Matthews, why are you yelling about all and every and those things? Well, because God's given us a really awesome promise here. He's given us the principle, which is found in other places, by the way, and on other subjects, but on the subject of giving. He says, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So God has said in his word, he is going to bless us according to our generosity. That's what he said. And if we believe God's word, and I surely hope that we do tonight, If we believe God's word, he has said, I want to bless you. But your blessings are contingent upon what you do as well sometimes. There are conditional things still in the New Testament that are contingent upon this. And he says, listen, if you'll do these things, if you will be bountiful in your giving, in your expression of your faith in this way, I'm going to be bountiful in my blessings of you. But if you're going to withhold, I'm going to withhold i say there's two reasons why we don't have more i believe one reason is because we can't handle it hey i praise god that i was not born into wealth because i know as god knows even better the weaknesses of my character and especially as a young man Wealth would have destroyed me, and my opportunities or my chances of having been saved, the opportunity would have been there, but my chances of being saved would have been a lot less, and certainly following him in the ministry and being willing to take the chances in ministry and to do the things, and some people have the character to do that. I did not have the upbringing to understand how to handle these things. I did not have the training, and I did not have the character within me, and so God knew that he had to be careful with me in that area. He gave me too much at shipwreck. But secondly, a lot of people don't have because they won't give. That's what his word teaches us. Well, I, I, I just really feel like he ought to do more for me. Well, I think once in a while we ought to take stock of what we're doing for him. By the way, if all we ever got was salvation, that's worth it all. Amen? Hey, if I die on the mission field, I come out a winner. If somehow I manage to starve to death, It'd take me a while, but if somehow I could figure out a way to starve to death in this life, I'd come out ahead. I've got it all, but also many times he expressly says here, this is his word saying, listen, he which sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. If you're only going to plant a few seeds, you're only going to reap a very small harvest. And you'll get back more than you put in, but it's not going to be enough to sustain. I want you to see this. And he goes through and he says, listen, I'm able to make all grace abound towards you. That's, that is grace not just in spiritual things, but in physical things, in all areas of our life. He says, I, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. He, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed zone And increase the fruits of your righteousness. He's trying to get us to see that he does want to bless us. But some of those blessings are contingent upon that which we do with what he's given us as stewards. By the way, the first rule of stewardship is everything belongs to God. If we could ever get a hold of that, 10% would be nothing. I mean, that whole checkbook is God's. All 72 cents. No, whatever's in there, that's God's. He allowed you to do that. No, Brother Matthews, I worked for that. Who gave you the strength to do that? The Bible's very clear. If you have the strength to earn a living, it's God who gives that. And that can be taken away, and there are people that wish they could go out and earn a living. We ought to be very mindful of these things. He says, I want to bless you. That's the second result of this experiment we're looking at tonight. And there's others within here, but the second one we're looking at tonight. Let's go ahead and look at the third one. Verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Our third, and by the way, there's just one more after this. If you're worried about time, uh, we're just about there. He said, listen, this supplieth the want of the saints. This church has been given a great commission. First of all, to preach the gospel to every creature, to the whole world. And, and that, is, that is summed up, or it is defined very clearly in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he says, I want you uh, to, to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He gives us that in a very broken down way so that we understand that the gospel is to be being preached right here in your Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem is this area. Your Judea would be an expanded area. We'll not go into what these would define if we were to try and define them because I don't even believe that's the thrust of the story as much as the understanding that you're supposed to be getting the gospel out right here. And it says both, so you're supposed to be doing that in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth and everywhere in between those unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You're supposed to be doing that all along the way at the same time. And there's only one way for the local church to do that, and that's for you to send somebody in your place to the other fields to get that done. By the way, the definition of my definition of what a missionary is being one is simply this, somebody who changes the address of their Jerusalem. Because the responsibilities are the same for a missionary as it is for a church member here in Florida. It's exactly the same. We're just changing the address of our Jerusalem. And from that Jerusalem, we're going to try and teach those people to reach their Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and go into the uttermost parts of the earth. And we intend to teach them that from the very early days that they have a responsibility not just to their own family but to the whole world of getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. And the only way we can do that is to send people in our place. Well, if we're going to send somebody in our place, we bear the responsibility to meet their needs. You go, Brother Matthews, this seems self-serving. I understand that and I pray that you won't think it so. I will tell you this I've seen God meet our needs all along the way and I'm not begging for a thing today if we leave here with no love offerings at all God has and will sustain us just fine and I don't mean that arrogantly at all I, I hope you don't take it that way I, I'm just saying simply this this is not about trying to get something out of you I'm just saying there is a responsibility if we send somebody on our behalf to do something we have a responsibility to finance that My daughters are 16. The ones with us tonight are 16 and 15. My 16-year-old now has a regular driver's license. The state of Kansas allows her to drive wherever she wants now. That's the state of Kansas. That's not the state of dad. But the state of Kansas allows her to drive wherever she wants. And if I send my daughter to the store to get something, and I say, your mom needs these items from the grocery store, go get those items on our behalf, guess who is responsible for paying for those? I'm responsible for paying for those because she's going on our behalf, right? I am responsible to take care of that. So I will send with her twenty dollars or whatever it is to be able to go get those things and to do that well how much more if we are sending emissaries on our behalf across to lands that they don't know the languages or the culture and the people and they're to go to these places and preach the gospel on our behalf so that this church who has its field also has its fields and it can reach those all at the same time amen that's why you send a missionary to their field is so you can reach your field and so in doing so, there's a responsibility to do that. And he says, listen, this giving that you're doing, in this case for the church of Jerusalem, he says, this giving meets, supplyeth the want of the saints. The want is those things that are lacking. Do you know there are missionaries around the world that have been taught such poor doctrine and so poorly supported? they cannot write back in their letter that they've taken a week off or they may not even be able to afford to take a week off while they're on the field. It's a sad thing, and it's not this way as much anymore. And, and uh, if churches that support us are like this, I do not know of any of them, uh, but the mindset uh, that, that a missionary ought to go in 52 weeks a year ought to be pounding the pavement every hour of the day, nobody would be okay with that here in America in their job. I, I pray to God that you have the expectation that your preacher takes some time off occasionally. He never gets to take time off in his mind. But he ought to be able to take some time off in his body and to go relax a little bit and do those things and have some of the fine things in life so that he is fresh, refreshed and ready to minister here. And, and so we expect those things. And, and those are given and they meet those needs and do that. Hey, I believe the missionary kid ought to have a pair of Nikes on his feet once in a while. Or if you're against Nike's name your brand, okay? And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to preach any kind of lecture. I'm just saying this meets the needs. It supplies the food. It supplies all the things that are in there. As a matter of fact, notice the last result of this and we'll be done. This is so important. Please don't clock out on me yet. Verse 12 said, For the administration of the service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they, that being the ones that you're supporting, glorify God for your professed subjection in the gospel of Christ, and your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Knows verse 14, the last result of this, it says, And by their prayer for you i've said it many times that there are certain people that are in my life that i would pay them to pray for me i literally i would send them weekly monthly whatever they required in order to have their prayers for you You say brother matthews how were you successful as a pastor i have no clue except for i know that i have people that have been praying for me since my teenage years since i was 18 years old who have prayed for me every single day of my life and taken me before the throne of grace and asked god to bless me and asked god to call me and asked god to bless me as a preacher and as a pastor and some of them i never even got to pastor but they loved me and they cared for me and they prayed for me And I pastored people and some senior saints who were prayer warriors, and they went to the throne of God for me every day and still are going to the throne of God for me every day. And anything that's successful in my ministry, I believe traces back to prayer warriors. As a matter of fact, you see a lot of churches' demises. A lot of those preachers, you'll talk to them, they can trace it back to when their prayer warriors died off. I believe prayer is that uh, important that it is, it is necessary that we be prayed for. And I'm going to ask you a question that's going to seem really self serving. Who would you rather have praying for your church than the wall of faithful that you have out there as you go down past the ladies' room and you see all those missionary letters on the fields they serve? All about this world, they have left their families, they have left their homes, they have left their comforts, they have left the surety of jobs, they have left uh, salaries, uh, and many of them had successful careers before, uh, either in the ministry or in the secular world or in both, and they have left these and they've went by faith to the foreign soil to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who would we rather praying for our church than that? That's an amazing thing that they would pray for us. You go, Brother Matthews. Why do missionaries pray for us? It's because they have to. They're very spiritual people. No, they're just people. Matter of fact, there's one thing I could tell you: is missionaries are but dust, just like you are. We mess up. We get it wrong. We miss the will of God sometimes. We get out of sorts. We don't have our temper perfectly in check. We don't have everything going just right. My wife and I might have a crossword once in a while. We're not perfect. We're not entire. Not everything in our life is exactly right. It's not because we're super spiritual people. We pray for you. That would be a great reason. I wish I could say it was. But the Bible gives us a reason. It says, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, For the exceeding grace of God in you the missionary praise for their supporting churches because they long after those churches you say well why do you guys feel that way towards us I mean we're just doing this and, and and honestly most churches just feel like they're not doing enough when they send a missionary monthly amounts they feel like it's too small and those things um all partnered together. It's absolutely amazing what that accomplishes. But we realize that there's nothing we have today that's by the might of our arm. You see, when I pastored and those things, I was able to go out and, and even then I did some things on the side. I was an instructor for community college teaching new EMTs, uh, how to be EMTs, things of that nature. I was an EMS director for an agency and, and those things on part-time basis here and there and, and pastored and labored in the word and loved the people and was seeing the church grow. And I was able to some degree to say, hey, I went out and did something and brought it back. But now I'm traveling on this weird ministry called Deputation where I go around to churches and, and I'll be honest with you, people treat us like royalty in most places. We're, we're absolutely humbled and ashamed sometimes at how well people treat us. It's just amazing that people love us so much. But I don't have anything. We had some equity in our home. We used most of that for our first six months of deputation. We stayed at the church till the new pastor came in. And so we launched on deputation about $200 a month of income and the equity in our home. And, and we financed the first six months of deputation because we, went, we just went full out. And, and uh, we did that. And so we, we depleted a good portion, most of that, and, and got down to, to, to a little bit. And, and now we've gotten to a place where we're far beyond that. and. Everything we have is because of the generosity of God's people. And so when I go out and I put gasoline in our vehicle, every single drop of gasoline is the generosity of God's people. I don't get to say I did anything for that. I didn't. If we're honest about it, I'm here today telling you what my plans and my hopes and my calling is, but I don't have a whole lot to prove that I'm going to do that right now. I'm asking you to trust God and to to instill a little bit of trust in us that we're going to go out and seek to do exactly those things that God has called us to do. But it's going to be a little bit of time before you know whether or not I am a worthy investment. That's That's a hard thing. Never in my life have I gotten to the place where I could ask somebody for so much and offer them so little in return. Every time my family eats, every time my daughters eat, it's the generosity of God's people that have supplied that every stitch of clothing on our backs, everything we have is the generosity of God's people. There's nothing that I can say, man, I'm doing this. You go, what's that do to you? Well, it does a good thing. It humbles you, first of all. Hopefully it humbles you because there's only one other option. But it humbles you and it makes you realize, God, this is all you and your gracious people. I just glorify your name that people are so wonderful to us. But I believe we care for churches as they don't care for themselves sometimes. When I talk to a preacher or hear from a preacher and they say, hey, we're going through this right now, that breaks my heart. And there's times I lay awake in tears over a church that's hurting or struggling or over somebody causing issues in a church or whatever it is. Whatever they're going through, it burdens upon us because we long after those churches. Not that it's some financial uh, relationship primarily, it's much more than that. It is that provision has caused within us a longing and a love for the churches that support I want to say again, it's not to try and pull support out of this church. Listen, God will direct this church in what you're supposed to do as far as our support. And I can guarantee you this a month from now, our relationship will be great. If the Lord never leads you, if five years from now, the church never is led to support us on a monthly basis, I can tell you this it won't change a thing in our relationship. But there is something very special in the relationship of a church that supports a missionary, and that wall of missionaries going down there are people praying for this church. I have a feeling we're going to get to heaven, we're going to find out a lot of the successes that happen in this place. A lot of you that have come in have been prayed in by people you've met once in your life, if you were here and able to meet them that time. Maybe they came before you were a member here, but they're praying for this church and they're praying for you because they long after you. Can I just say if that was the only result of the experiment of giving to missions, that would be well worth it as a church. That would be a valuable investment to have the prayers of such men and women and children of God. To be able to say they're praying for us and we're enjoying the fruit of that. But it's not just that. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'll tell you this. We're getting ready to bring it down to our landing. I've never seen a church hurt by missions giving. Never seen it. I've seen churches build, and God build their missions. I tell you, as a pastor, I paid attention to the missions budget. The general fund showed $5, but the missions fund, and we were able to send all our support, some money was in the missions account. I rejoiced in the Lord and knew everything was going to be just fine. Because missions is so close to the heartbeat of God, some say it is the very heartbeat of God, that he blesses a church in such a magnificent way for these things. I believe a lot of it is that, that return of the prayers of the missionaries you support. It's an investment. It's a partnership. It's a relationship. But it takes each of us doing our part. By the way, because we're going doesn't mean we've stopped praying and stopped giving. We all have the same responsibilities in this thing of missions. We're all in this together. But if we slack off our part, it is going to take longer for missionaries to get to the field. How many souls hang in the balance in that amount of time it takes for them to get the field? How many missionaries are not going because churches aren't serious and Christians aren't serious about their giving? What more could this church do in their mission support? If everybody would get on board and pray and say, God, let me be faithful in my tithe. Help me to do that. By the way, he's so gracious. It took me years to get a hold of the tithe. It really did. As a young preacher, he finally, I finally got to a place where I just locked that and made a decision of conscience. I'm never not going to tithe, tithe again. I made that decision and it changed my life. And then the preacher preached faith promise first time I heard it in a, in a way I understood and I committed to that. And it was a small amount at first, what I deemed a small amount. And it was big at that time. And that's just grown and grown exponentially over the years, many times over what we began. And we've seen god bless and care for us in so many ways we've never lacked anything because god can do better for us with 70 or 80 or 90 percent than i can do with 100 percent. it's trusting him and saying god i know you own the cattle on a thousand hills you can take care of me i'm just going to trust you with it Won't you do that tonight just turn over to god if you're having trouble tithing let me just say just get it taken care of just make a decision of conscience and say from this day forward by god's grace i'm never going to miss another tithe again when my paycheck gets deposited in my account the first thing i'm going to do is i'm either going to get online and send that into the local church uh, so that these things can go forward and we can evangelize our area or i'm going to write that check immediately so it's coming to church or i'm going to do it i'll put it in the mail if i have problems with it and the lord i'm going to trust you to do with another 90 percent, and then pray and say god what would you have me to do for missions do something a week is $20 a month. $20 a month is a little over a quarter of the missionary support a month. That's something, isn't it? It's more than it seems like. And if you can do $25 a week, well, you can support a missionary and a half a month. If you could do $50 a week, you could support three or four missionaries a month. Out of your family, out of your home, out of your personal life. I just say that just does something special to you. You'll enjoy the blessings that God gives because he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Let's pray, dear Lord. I do thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we're so unworthy of all the blessings you give us. Lord, I know some in here were not born in America. But to some degree, all of us, uh, most of us live in this country, but nearly all of us, if not all of us, enjoy some of the blessings of this country. And Lord, we bring no merit that we are able to be born in America or be able to come to America and be Americans. We bear nothing that we're able to reap the benefits and have our children here growing up in this place. Lord, it's not because we are something special, but you've allowed us to be in this place. And so God I pray that you would help us to realize that uh, having such blessings does require us to answer back in that. Lord beyond that we are your children and you have promised to supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And out of that abundance Lord we have a responsibility. Lord I pray that you'd help each one. God I pray I beg of you that nobody would think I'm trying to be mean about the tithe. Oh, Lord, I know the spirit of this place and the spirit of this preacher. I've already been able to see that in people's giving. That, Lord, it's not his desire to try and ply anything out of anybody's hand, but it is that their hearts would be given over to you and they'd experience the blessings of faithfulness. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd help the people to embrace it. Lord, I pray in the offering, the Faith Promise Missions time especially, that every single one of us would pray and see what you would have us to do. Lord, it's possible that you may have some uh, couples do that together. I've seen couples who do it individually. Lord, you'll guide the home and those things, and this preacher, as he preaches it and presents it, how to preach it and present it. But Lord, whatever it is, we want to trust you with it. Help us to realize everything belongs to you. And that returning these small portions is not just an obligation, but it's an honor. And it's a blessing to get to do so. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in all these matters. Help us to be fully given to you. That we might see the local church prosper and be able to get the gospel around to this area. And that missionaries would be able to prosper in their giving of the gospel. That you would multiply their seed sown, both here and abroad. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray.